Today, we are talking about anxiety, depression, and fear. Come on, this is something that so many of us struggle with, and yet we struggle silently. We struggle with this stuff, but yet we don't feel like that we have anybody to talk to about it with. And today I want to go ahead and take some time to open up scripture and see what God has to say about it. And I posted this the other day. I posted on Instagram and Facebook my exact intro that I wanted to read today. And I'm going to read this just straight off as I wrote it because I really do feel like that this is something that God gave me. And then we're going to pray We're going to ask God to bless our time together. Uh, We will have some time of prayer at the end. So I'm going to go ahead and encourage you. And if you are dealing with anxiety and depression or mental health struggles of any kind, I don't know, it might be anything. uh, There's so many different things that that people might come into this place with. Listen, uh, at the end of this service, we're going to have a time of prayer. We're going to ask God to uh, help us to overcome. and, And we're going to fight for our mental health today. So let me go ahead and read this to you. If you have anxiety or depression, all right, you already know these verses about anxiety and depression, right? You've probably read them a thousand times, desperately pleading with God to take away these thoughts from your mind. You might say something like, I don't want to be like this anymore. I don't want to lay in bed and feel like trash anymore. I want to be there for the people that love me and that I love. These people, I care about them so much, but I just can't. I just can't be there for them. I'm tired, nothing feels right, I'm afraid, I'm worried, I feel paralyzed. But then as you pray to God, you feel this sense of guilt rise within you. In your mind, you might tell yourself, real Christians don't worry. right? The Bible says I don't have anything to worry about and I'm not supposed to worry. So why am I struggling with this worry? Why am I struggling with this anxiety? Why am I struggling with depression and these crippling thoughts? I must not have a strong enough faith in God. And I could stand here today and recite all of these verses to you. I could try to get you to snap out of it, right, by being overly positive. I could pray the same prayer that you've prayed over yourself already a hundred times. I could try to encourage you with these same verses that you probably know by heart. And I would potentially send each and every one of you out of here back into the same place that you've been. Doubtful, lonely, worried, depressed, and anxious. Or... We could have a conversation about anxiety and depression today. I could tell you a little bit about my story. We could take a second look about what God says about our minds. And hopefully, and I believe this is what God wants to do today, the Holy Spirit will bring you healing. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this time together with our amazing church family, for those that are joining us for the first time, for those that are dealing with anxiety, depression, fear, worry, doubt. I don't know what it is. God, I pray right now that you would speak a word to them directly. Open up our eyes, open up our ears and our hearts for what you have for us today. And all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. Wow, Uh, I I cannot wait to dig into the word of God today. There's gonna be some... Uh, science kind of stuff here. There's going to be some Bible stuff here. Uh, we got a lot of scripture I'm going to be reading at the end to you, and maybe you already know these scriptures, but uh, I encourage you to take notes today because this might be something that you need for later on. Maybe you're not dealing with anxiety or depression right now, but you never know if you might be dealing with it three years from now. You might deal with it next year. You might deal with it 10 years from now, and I really believe if you have some of these tools in your back pocket, when the time comes and you find yourself in 
that place, you'll be able to know, man, I remember Pastor Trevor, we talked about this at church. Man, let me go find those notes and see what God has to say about this. So uh, point number one I have for you today, if you are taking notes, is identify the anxiety. Identify the anxiety. So we have to identify what is going on within us before we can really like diagnose and before we can uh, uh, take the correct corrective actions that we need to help take our minds back. A few weeks ago, we talked about what it means to take our mind back. We're going to go to the enemy's camp and we're going to take back what he stole from us, right? We talked about that. Uh, we talked about winning the war in our minds. That's what this whole series has been. And yet, I think we'd be remiss to take this conversation out of this series. We've talked about winning the war in our minds, and we talked about we're going to take back our mind, and we're going to do all this and that and the other. But listen, at the end of the day, if you have anxiety and depression, you probably have been sitting through these last three weeks. You've been coming up to the altar. You've been raising your hand, and you've been asking God, and yet you still maybe feel like you're in the same place, and you don't know what to do about it. It can be crippling. So what we're going to do today is we're going to identify that there's four different types of fear, anxiety, and depression. Four different types of anxiety and depression. The first one, uh, I would actually classify as, uh, we'll call it healthy fear. All right, healthy fear. I would say that fear is an emotional response to real or perceived immediate threat, right? But fear and anxiety, those are two different things. How many of you know that? Those are not the same thing. Fear and anxiety, they're closely related to one another. The feeling might be the same, but they're not necessarily the same thing. Fear is a response to a real or perceived immediate threat. Anxiety, however, is an emotional response to a real or perceived future threat, it's not happening right now, but it's something that could possibly happen in the future. Now, uh, at our home right now, a few days ago, I posted on my story uh, that, that we had some furry friends that decided to hang out in our backyard. And Lindsay and I were sitting watching a TV show, and Lindsay looks up and says, no absolutely not, no. And she's looking out back through our back window and I was like, what's going on? She's like, Trev, look. And I'm like, do I really have to? I'm really comfortable right now, this is great. You know, so I'm like, oh, fine. So I look up, there is a raccoon standing on one of our deck posts, just like trying to reach up and just tap the light that's above, like the little floodlight. And she's like, Trev, you have got to call somebody and get this one out of here. So we get up and we, we go back here. It's, it's like 9, 10 o'clock at night. We go out and look, and there are two raccoons out there hanging out. And I was like, oh, look at them. They're so cute. And she was like, no, they are not. They are furry, and they are gross and disease-ridden animals, and I don't want them in my backyard. Our son is never going out there again. You know, like, he's like, she's just going off. But I'm calling somebody right now. I was like, it's 930 at night. Like, what is this? no one's going to do anything right now. She's like, well, I'm calling them anyway. I will leave a message for every place that's open, all right? And I was like, okay. I thought they were kind of cute and adorable. They were just having a grand old time. One of them walks right up to our back door, literally, right up to the back. They see us. They know that we're there. And you just kind of like, chills there just looking right at me and I was like yo you are brave my friend if I open this door you would come in for dinner right now I can guarantee it and so we looked and eventually we found two more of their furry friends and their family and there were now four raccoons just walking around in our backyard hanging out now I have what I would consider 
a healthy fear of raccoons, all right? Listen, raccoons, you don't want to mess with them, okay? They might have rabies. They're generally, you know, they have diseases and different kinds of things. Uh, but they weren't rabid necessarily. But you just don't know. You don't want to mess with them. Even They don't even encourage you to trap them yourself and, and, and you know, relocate them. You want to have professionals come in and do that. But listen, am I going to open up that door and go out and hang out with these raccoons? No. Are you going to open up the door and hang out with the raccoons? I had a couple people in my DMs that said that they absolutely would. And to you, I would say, you're nuts. So there we go. But uh, I have a healthy fear of raccoons. That, that would be a normal fear for you to have. Um, anxiety is not a healthy fear. But anxiety would say, three days later, that's all I'm thinking about. And I'm still thinking about every time I walk outside, are the raccoons going to get me? Are they going to get me? Like, what's going on? Blah, blah, blah. And then you're like, I'm never going outside again. Oakland's never going out there. We're never doing this. Like, I'm just going to walk around. And literally, I kid you not, that is what Lindsay did for the first day after those things are there. She said, I'm pulling my car around out front. I am not going out back anymore. Listen, that might be teetering on an unhealthy little anxiety. Now, some of you would be like, hey, I would actually relate to that more than you. Uh, but for the most part, those are normal normal feelings and normal emotions that you would have. Not all fear and anxiety is sinful. Let me say that again, because I think some people need to hear that today. Not all fear and anxiety is sinful. Some fear is healthy. Have you ever met a kid that had no fear? Come on, you know, you have like a three-year-old or a four-year-old, five-year-old that just has absolutely no fear whatsoever. It is terrifying. It's terrifying. These kids are nuts, okay? These are the kids that climb on the tallest trees, have no problem at all getting up there, and they're just like, how am I going to get down? I don't know, but I'm certainly going up this thing, you know? They're eating things off the ground that they don't even know what it is. I mean, it could be dirt. It could be raccoon scat for all I know. I mean, I don't know what they call it, you know, but it could be anything and they're just eating it off the ground. Like everything's fine. And uh, they have no stranger danger at all. Like they just walk up to random people, just random adults and be like, Hey, what's going on? Like, how's, how's it going? They just walk away. And this is the kid that just gets lost in Walmart all the time. You know, you know what kind of kid I'm talking about. They have no sense of a healthy fear. Now our son, Oakland, he is not like this at all, but I know parents that are genuinely terrified that their child is just one day just going to walk away. Some random person. This is the kid that's going to believe the creepy guy in the park when he says he has candy. You know what I'm talking about? Like this kid has no idea what's going on around them. And Oakland is not like that at all. He has a healthy fear, uh, but these kids are not afraid at all. Here's the deal. A healthy fear is good because fear is what keeps us safe. Fear is what keeps you from doing stupid things. Amen. Fear is what keeps you from harming yourself. And I would like for my son, Oakland, to have a healthy fear of jumping into the deep end of a pool when there's not an adult around, right? Uh, parents, come on. Somebody give me an amen. You would like your child to have that healthy fear. Uh, I would like him to fear running out into the middle of the road and not looking left and right before he crosses the street. This is a healthy thing for kids to have. The Bible says, even as adults, that we are actually supposed to have a healthy fear of God. How many of you knew that? The Bible says that we are to fear God. But what does that mean? It means that we are supposed to have a healthy respect and understanding of who God is, that he has infinite power, and that we should honor him and revere him. 
God, it, it, the Bible says that Jesus is our friend, but at the end of the day, Jesus is our savior. Jesus is a part of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit and the Father, and, and God created the entire universe and he loves you and he loves me, but listen, there is a sense of awe and wonder and respect that we need to have for God the Father. Can somebody say amen today? This kind of light fear and anxiety would necessarily not be sinful. I think this is a normal type of anxiety. Number two, will be clinical anxiety and depression. Now, let me go ahead and preface this. Uh, I am not a psychologist, I'm not a psychiatrist, I'm not a licensed counselor or anything like that. We do have some of those people in our church today. I will do my best to, uh, to communicate these things well from a biblical perspective and from my perspective that I've seen as a pastor for years. Um, but listen, this is not like medical advice necessarily, but I do wanna talk about this for a moment because I think the church has gotten this wrong for a very long time. If you're a Christian with diagnosed clinical anxiety or depression, you probably know how annoying it is when someone gives you the impression that just praying harder will just make it magically go away. And now I think prayer is a good thing. Of course we need to pray, but there's so many well-meaning Christians, just being honest, well-meaning people that love God, love Jesus, and love you, and they're trying to help, really. And they say, hey, you know, we really just need to press in and just pray harder, and this thing, you know, this thing will be gone. And, and I have no problem praying like that. But listen, it can get annoying sometimes if you have diagnosed clinical anxiety or depression when somebody comes up to you, and it almost feels like that they just don't think that it's real. Like they don't think that you actually have a real problem that you're just kind of sad and you just need to get over it and we're just gonna pray and it'll be gone, right? I think the church and Christians get that wrong many times because you would never go up to a cancer patient and say, well, if you just prayed harder, you wouldn't have this issue, right? Would you do that to somebody? I certainly would not be doing that. Christians in the church have to do a better job understanding that there are chemical and hormone imbalances that can cause feelings of anxiety in, and depression, even amongst the people of God. Science and the Bible are not opposed. And I think many times we have a problem with that. We think that, you know, science is, is anti-God and God is anti-science. Well, let me tell you right now, God is the one that created everything that you know about science, right? He created everything in this universe. All of the laws of physics, all of the laws of our bodies and the biology of every single piece and part of us, down to the smallest little atoms, God created every single bit of that. And God actually created those hormones and those chemicals, those same things that these people do not seem to understand, right? So when they're talking to you about these things and maybe you get the vibe that they feel like, hey, hey they actually don't really believe me right now. They don't believe that I actually am really having a problem, that I've actually been diagnosed with something that is real, something that is going on in my brain that I really do need help with. They just think, well, it's not real. You're just sad, let's just pray about it and move on, right? God created those hormones and those chemicals. And sometimes our bodies, because we live in a fallen, sinful world, our bodies are not perfect. And we have issues with our bodies. And we got to take care of our bodies the best way that we can. Men, let me give you an example. Try telling a woman uh, who's having her time of the month to chill out and uh, come back and tell me that hormones don't affect your brain a little bit. Come on. It, well, actually, you won't be able to make it back to me to tell me because you won't make it out alive. You know what I'm saying? Like, you will not survive that conversation. But you would never do that, right? You would never say, well, hormones don't affect our brains at all. Those chemicals don't affect. Yes, you know that they do. Just remember that one time when she went off on you and you were like, 
dude, you need to chill out. And she just ripped you a new one, right? Listen, you have to understand this is all in the same category. These are all the same types of things here. And yet for some reason, when it comes to anxiety and depression, we just throw it all to the side, like hormones and chemicals have nothing to do with our bodies and our brains and that we just need to pray harder and get through it. Go tell your, go tell your wife to pray harder through that, you know, let's just see how that goes, okay? Anyway, we have no problem admitting that low T affects sex drive. Men, women have mood swings during that time. Teenagers are absolutely crazy during puberty. Uh, but when it comes to this, I, I don't know why we don't think of it the same way and talk about it the same way. We just say you just need to pray more and just get through it. If you need a therapist to manage your anxiety, I want to tell you this today. You're no less of a Christian than I am. You're no less of a child of God, a son and daughter of the Most High God than I am. If you need medication to help balance the chemicals in your brain and control that anxiety and depression that you might have, you are no less of a Christian than I am or anyone else. Can I get an amen today? If you're someone who thinks less of people when they say that they struggle with anxiety and depression and you are in this church or you're a Christian, you'd call yourself that, I'd argue that you're the one that needs to check your relationship with Christ, not them. Just because you don't understand doesn't make them wrong. Just means we need to come to a place of understanding and having a conversation and realizing that not every body is the same, not every brain is the same, and God has created us all uniquely and differently. And we do live in a fallen, sinful world, and we deal with these kinds of physical ailments and things. And one of those things could be anxiety or depression. Should we pray and ask God to heal our minds? Come on, somebody. Yes. We should pray and ask God to heal our minds. Should we read God's word over ourselves and believe that God can renew our minds? Come on, somebody. Yes, we should. Do we believe in the supernatural healing and power of Jesus? Come on, somebody say, yes, we do. And can you be a good Christian and believe in Jesus and still struggle with this? Yes, you can. And there's two other types of anxiety and depression. Uh, that are not healthy, actually. I think from, from this point forward, we're going to talk about a different kind. The first two were a little bit closely related, clinical. Uh, this is something that's going on in your body that we got to figure out how to control. And then the first one is that kind of healthy fear and that healthy anxiety, I think, that maybe all of us kind of deal with. These are not sinful uh, types of fear and anxiety. But now we're going to move into the other two types that are not the same as those first two. The first one in this list, number three, would be sin-caused anxiety. So there's a healthy fear and anxiety, then there's clinical anxiety and depression, and now we have sin-caused anxiety. An example of this would be maybe you've been using drugs, and now you have a clinical anxiety disorder because of your drug use. That would be a sin-caused anxiety. Anxiety. You were sinning against God, and man, now I have this uh, mental problem because of my own sin. Maybe you cheated on your wife, and now you're depressed because she left you. That's sin caused depression, right? This is a situation that you have found yourself in because of your sin against God and against your wife. And of course, now you're going to maybe have a, a, a seasonal depression or a, or a situational depression because of what's going on in your life at that moment, because of the things that you have actually done. And I know uh, you might know exactly what this feels like. You might have been in a situation where you have sinned and you know that, man, I messed up. Like I did something real awful. And, and then now you struggle with, 
maybe anxiety and depression for a season after that because of your own actions. Listen, sin has consequences, amen? Sin has consequences. The Bible says that all of us have fallen short and what is the penalty of sin? It is death. That's what the Bible says. We all deserve death because of our sin. And yet Jesus, the Bible says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Come on, isn't that the good news of the gospel? Is that Jesus, even in the midst of your sin, even in the midst of your trouble, no matter where you're at today in this place, you might have sinned this morning before you came in yelling at your kids. I don't know what it might have been, but God is on your side. And if you will come to him, and he will give you freedom from this sin and completely transform your life. But sin, it has consequences. It's evil. It's dirty. The Bible says that we are to run away from even the appearance of sin. Right? Not just run away from sin, but run away from even making it look like that you were sinning. Now that is a big deal. The, the standard is set very high in the Bible. And we talked about this last week, right? What are you allowing into your mind? What are you putting into your mind, into your eyes, into your ears? Because whatever you are putting in will eventually come back out. Come on, can I get an amen this morning? You know what I'm talking about. We talked about movies and TV shows and media. Who are you allowing into your mind? The people that you're allowing to influence you negatively or positively. Listen, you have to be careful what you put into your mind because when you allow sin into your mind, it will begin to corrupt it. That is the way that our bodies work. That's the way that our minds work. This is how God has created us. And we know that sin will infect every area of your life if you do not control it and if you don't run away from it and try to expel it out of your life. That's why the Bible says we are to run away from sin. Anxiety and depression that you have in this type is actually the result of your own sin. It's not, you're not sinning because of it, but it is the result of your sin. And I would argue that if you remove the sin from your life, if you give your life to God, and if you give that area of your life over to God and you remove that from your life, start renewing your mind, renewing your heart, taking every thought captive as we've been talking about over the last few weeks, then I truly believe that your mental health will begin to improve. This is not a clinical anxiety and depression Right, this is not the healthy kind. This is an unhealthy anxiety and depression or fear or whatever it might be. But you start to remove the sin, uh, then you connect with God and now your mental health is going to start to improve. That's the third one. The fourth one is sin causing anxiety. This was sin, the, number three was sin caused anxiety. But number four is sin causing anxiety. I wanna read a, a passage to you. We're finally getting uh, to a formal passage of scripture here, but uh, it's a long passage, but I think it's just so relevant to this conversation that we're having today. Matthew 6, 25 through 34. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Now stop, all right, right there. Do not be anxious about your life. And all the anxious people said, okay, sure, yeah. Like, it's, like it's that easy. Thanks, Jesus. You know what I mean? Like, and I understand where you're coming from, but let's, let's keep going, okay? What you will eat or what you will drink, don't worry about your body, what you'll put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? 
Which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? Now that is good advice right there. Why you, don't worry about what you can't control. Ooh, Lord Jesus, come on, here we go. Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass in the field, which today is alive, tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek, the, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So the question here is, do you believe Jesus when he says this? That God takes care of the grass and the birds and the flowers and everything else in this world. He's the one that makes this earth turn. And yet for some reason, we feel like that God can't take care of us. Now, if you don't believe that, then you may be falling into a sinful anxiety, worry, or depression. This is simply, honestly, a lack of trust in God's ability to take care of you and to provide for you. And I think we have to be honest enough with ourselves to look inside and say, is this why I am struggling with anxiety and depression? Is because I'm simply not trusting in God enough to overcome this and, and that he is big enough to handle the problems in my life. Of course, there are some times when it is clinical, but there are times when you might be falling into sin because of the anxiety that you have. Are you connecting with God? Are you praying? Are you fasting? Are you getting into God's word? Are you doing the things that you need to do to connect with God and to improve your mental health? Or are you simply not doing these things and then blaming God for your mental health? It's simply a lack of trust in God. Do you go to him for your needs? Right? Like when you have something going on in your life, where's the first place that you turn? Do you turn to a podcast or do you turn to Jesus? I think we need to figure that out within ourselves. You have to ask yourself that question. It might be different for each and every one of you. Then when you maybe have anxiety, do you just try to handle it by yourself? Or maybe do you just go straight to the medication before you've ever even prayed about it? I think it's a very important question that each of us need to ask. Listen, it's not always my first response to somebody. This would never be the first thing that I suspect or the first thing that I would think about somebody if they tell me that they're dealing with anxiety and depression. But could it just be true that your relationship with God is just not where it needs to be? Have you invested time and energy into that relationship with the Father? maybe you would find freedom. Do you think that if you would take some time and maybe a, a season of just intense fasting and prayer and going after God, do you think it would be possible that God could take care of your anxiety and depression? I certainly do. I really fully, truly believe it. And when you learn to trust God more, when you go to him in prayer more, when you read your Bible more, when you get into church consistently around other people of God, man, listen to worship music, create this positive atmosphere in your home. This type of anxiety and depression could potentially fall right off of you because of the positivity, because of the relationship that you now have with God, your father that loves you and created you. It's possible 
And I truly believe that there's another aspect of this, that as we go after God and as we seek after him consistently, sometimes God just performs a supernatural miracle and it just falls right off of you. And we believe in a miracle working God. Come on, can somebody say amen? And I believe that even today, right here, right now, as we pray in just a moment, that God is going to release some of you from the supernatural hold and the stronghold of anxiety and depression that you have had in your life, whether it's fear, worry, doubt, I don't know what kind of mental health, any mental health, that's the word of the Lord today. He said he wants to help some of you here today. And he's going to supernaturally do it in this place as we pray and as we come together and as we lay hands on you and pray with one another, we're going to have faith that God is going to do it. Come on, somebody say amen in the house of God today. So you got to identify what kind of mental health issue you're dealing with and then you have to give it to Jesus. Give it to Jesus. So we have these four different kinds. You got to figure out, hey, what am I dealing with here? And then we're going to give it to Jesus. And that's what we're about to do in just a moment. And I just want to give you kind of a, a three-step plan here on how we give it to Jesus and how we start this process. Uh, it, it's three different things. Do what I can do, right? So control what I can control. Do what I can do to help my own mental health. Listen, if you need to get up in the morning and work out every day so that you feel better throughout the day, then get up and work out in the morning. Don't snooze that alarm at 6 a.m., at 6.05, at 6.08, at 6.11, at 6.12. You people that do that, you absolutely baffle me. Like, I don't even understand that. My alarm goes off at 6 a.m. and I pop out of bed. It's like the easiest thing in the world for me. Some people, y'all struggle with that though. That is not me. I pop out of bed. And, but here's the deal. It wasn't always like that. There were times when Pastor Tim, when we worked at another church together, would have to go knock on my apartment window to wake me up because I would be sleeping through my alarm or I maybe went to sleep too late and I didn't even set my alarm. And he'd be knocking on my window saying, Pastor Trevor, um, it, we have to go lead worship at church this morning. It's Sunday. It's 7 a.m. You're late for practice. <laughs> But I, it wasn't always like that. But listen, I train myself because I know that when I wake up in the morning and when I feel, I'll feel so much better if I go work out, if I eat a healthy breakfast, if I do something good for myself, right? Like you have to know these things. You got to do what you got to do. Control what you can control. And then give God what I can't do. And that's where I think that we really mess up. I think we mess up on both of these, but Hey, I'm going to control the things I have control over. And then the rest, I just got to give it to him. If you have a chemical or home hormone imbalance in your brain and in your body, listen, there's not necessarily, you, you might not be able to do anything about it, right? You can't just, you know, hey, I'll work out and maybe that'll help. I'll eat right. That'll help. You know, you go to doctors and do what you need to do there. But listen, like at the end of the day, you just got to give that to God. Say, Lord, you got to do it in my body. You got to do it in my mind. I need you to to heal me of this. The same way we'd pray for any other, we pray for somebody with cancer, we pray for somebody with a stomach problem, we pray for somebody with a broken ankle, we pray for somebody, listen, we'll pray for anxiety and depression. We'll believe that God can do it, amen? And then trust God no matter what. Now, man, this one's hard. Oh, this one's tough because when God, you feel like he's not answering your prayer, and you've prayed it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And you feel like you're just not making any headway and you feel like nothing's changing. Do you still trust God? Do you still believe that he is good? Do you still believe that he cares about you? Do you still believe that he loves you? Do you still believe that he can do what he said that he could do? You gotta trust God no matter what. Prayer is powerful. 
So in a moment, we are going to pray, but I wanna read this verse. It's Philippians 4, six through seven. Don't be anxious about, about anything. Once again, it's like, okay, like, I get it. <laughs> but in everything, by prayer and supplication, prayer, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What is this saying right here? Do not be anxious, but in everything by prayer, talk to God about it, give it to him. And then God will give you peace. This is a promise that he gives us, that the peace of God surpasses any understanding that you might have. Will guard your heart and your what? Mind in Christ Jesus. But here's the hard part. If I struggle with my mental health for the rest of my life, could I still serve God? Could I still follow Jesus? I think you need to ask yourself that question and just be honest with your own answer. Well, I told you I'd tell you a little bit about my personal story uh, with anxiety. I, I never, I never had ever struggled with anxiety in my entire life until I started this church. It's so interesting how that happens. And as I've gotten older, of course, you get older and you have more responsibility. Uh, life gets hard, things happen. And it just becomes difficult sometimes to manage all of the things that you have to manage. Of course, starting a church, we, we launched this church in the middle of 2020. It was in the middle of COVID. Very difficult time to start a church. I know so many of my, my fellow church planters that launched their churches at the same time as us, many of them did not make it. Many of them closed their doors within a year because COVID was hard, it was tough. Finances weren't there and people weren't coming and their mental health struggled. And a few of my friends, it's affected their marriages. It's affected their relationship with their kids and it's affected their relationship with God. Some of them, I, I, I wonder, are they even serving the Lord anymore because of the things that they've had to walk through? And so anyway, all that to say, I moved my family here. We're from this area, I am anyway, but Lindsay didn't know anybody here and Kyle and I, I kind of grew up in the Austin area and in Kyle. And, but we were in Oklahoma for five years and we moved back down to plant this church in 2019. Uh, then we started a church in 2020. But it's maybe about two or three days after we moved in with my parents at their house. We didn't have any money. We didn't have anything. We just knew that this is what God told us to do. Moved in with my parents and I had my first anxiety attack. And I had no idea what was happening to me. I'm gonna be honest. I was like, what is going on right now? I feel like I can't breathe. I feel like my head is spinning and I just can't move. I feel paralyzed. Like, what is going on? I was hyperventilating and I just had no clue what was happening to me. I never had this happen before. And it was because we had just moved back and we had no money and I didn't have a job and the church wasn't making any money. We weren't even launching the church for another year. And I didn't know what to do. I was like, am I just gonna have to go back and work at Applebee's here in Kyle again? That was my job when I was in college. I could go back to Applebee's and work and just be a server or I don't even know what's, what I'm supposed to be doing right now, Lord. Like, what am I doing? I just moved my family here. We have nothing. My wife's living with my parents. Like, she doesn't really know them super well, right? Like, and now we're living with them and, and we're all in this one house and my son is one. And it's just like, what am I doing? This is crazy that we're doing this. This is crazy. And then my wife, who sounds very much like the Holy Spirit many, many times, said these words, Trev, have you prayed about this yet? And to be honest, I had not. I had not. I had not gone to God yet to ask for,
for financial provision for my family. And yet here I am moving, trying to start this church, right? Uh, just being totally honest with you, I hadn't even thought about, man, I should pray about this. Maybe God can provide a job. Maybe God can help me out. So anyway, I pray about this. I literally got on my knees that day, on my knees next to the bed and prayed and said, God, you gotta do something. I don't know what to do here, but you gotta do something. I had had another lady who had told me that there was a potential for me to be able to come on with her at her new marketing firm that she had started back up in Oklahoma. She was a member of our church up there. And it was within a day or two that she called me and she said, hey, um, are, you, are you still able to work? Are you still willing to do that? How much time do you really have with you planting the church and everything? And I said, listen, as much work as you can give me, I am all for it. Please, like whatever you have. She's like, oh, really? Like, so you have like almost full-time availability. I said, absolutely, like whatever you have. She said, oh, great. Here's five clients that I haven't been able to manage and I've been needing somebody to manage them for me. Man, you would be so great for this. I went from having no job and absolutely no money to making more money than I was making at our church in Oklahoma for five years, just like that. And I was able to not take a salary at Radical Church for the first six months to eight months of this church. For about a year and a half, I did not even take a salary from the church. Thank God and praise God because I had that job. Now, I don't do that job anymore. I was able to finally come on full time. But the point of the story is, is man, I hadn't even prayed about it yet. I hadn't even gone to God about it yet. And how many of us are dealing with anxiety and, and dealing with these struggles and we haven't even gone to the Lord to talk to him about what's going on? It's tough leading a church, I'll just be honest. Leading people is difficult, it's messy. We're a family, right? We, we're all different. We all are different parts of the body of Christ and, and yet we need to work together and we're all on this mission to help people find and follow Jesus and grow in community and love for one another. And man, but being a family is hard. Leading people is tough. And sometimes you feel like that you know somebody and, and, and you have a miscommunication or a problem and man, a relationship falls apart and it just really takes a toll even on me. And you know what that's like even in your own life with the people around you, your family and your friends and your coworkers. Man, maybe you have a relationship that's struggling. Maybe you have finances and you're just struggling through your finances right now and that's what's causing your anxiety and depression. Man, listen, I would just encourage you and we gotta take this stuff to God first. We gotta pray and believe that God can help. Listen, I don't want you to live the way that you've been living. If you've been struggling with this, I don't want you to live this way anymore. I know you don't wanna live this way anymore and God certainly doesn't want you to live this way. He wants to give you peace that surpasses all understanding, amen? Peace in your mind, peace in your home, peace in your relationships. I wanna read a couple of verses to you today that will encourage you that God wants to give you these things. First Peter 5, 7 says, cast all of your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Isn't that beautiful? God cares for you. He wants your anxieties. He wants you to put those things on him. Matthew 11 says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Psalm 34, David says, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. 
He's with you right now. He's here in this place today and he wants to bring you peace. He wants to save your crushed soul today. He's near to the brokenhearted. He wants your anxieties. He cares for you. He says, come to me today, right here, right now. Normally you might be up all night with insomnia because you can't stop thinking about everything that's going on in your life. But listen, today I believe God's gonna give you rest and you are probably gonna sleep better than you've ever slept in your life this evening after we give this stuff to God. Now, I don't have this on the screen. I just wanted you to listen to this verse. This is David writing, it's Psalm 23. I'm just gonna read this whole thing. Just to encourage you this morning. It says this, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures, leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. And surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever.